Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Help Me Buy Property Podcast. In the episode today, we are talking about how to create real estate business via property investing, be it passive property investing, transitioning into active property investing. In this topic today, we'll talk about these transitions and why is development an important part of these transitions or property development an important part of these transitions? Who are the people who would usually transition into property development space? or who would want to transition into property development space? Why is it important for these people to transition into this space? And who are the people for which this transition does not make sense? Now, also, very critically, what happens to the people for which the transition makes sense, but they resist the change? This is the part one of the, the episode of Creating Business We are Property Investing we would have part two where we would be talking about how to transition from buy and hold strategies to buy, hold and development strategies and how to create a business of property. Stay tuned and keep listening to the very end. Thank you very much. Today's topic, we'll talk about how to transition from buy and hold strategies to buy, hold, and develop. Why is this transition important? Who are the people who would transition in today's time? Or why would people want to do the transition? Why is it important for people to do the transition? And who are the people who would actually not do the transition? And what happens to people who resist the change? So in saying that, let me introduce you to my co-host, drumroll again. ありがとうございます。ありがとうございます。ありがとうございます。ありがとうございます。ありがとうございます。ありがとうございます。ありがとうございます。ありがとうございます。ありがとうございます。ありがとうございます。ありがとうございます。ありがとうございます。ありがと
or, or generational wealth. And how far do you go down the route is the question. And that's what we are discussing today. And so if you think about creating the business via property investing, um, I always say this, that there is three ingredients to it when you're talking about these transitions. And so it's yield, growth, and manufactured equity, which is almost like return on investment. Mm. And so when you are taking that transition from buy and hold strategies, what you're doing is you are bringing more focus on manufacturing your own equity by creating more profits through property development, small-scale developments, renovations, etc. And so what you're doing is you are stepping away from that gamble of the market where the market is, you're at the mercy of the market to deliver growth to you all the time. And that's the transition that we are talking about. And how successfully do you do it? How cleanly do you do it? Um, is the question. And this is, you know... It, Naturally, it, the question becomes is... Yeah, as I, uh, the, the question then becomes, well, because, you know, we've been talking about how to identify the the right suburbs and the right areas to invest in and because we want to be able to identify areas of growth um and the thing that we're doing with development with whether it's renovation or actually full-scale development he said we're actually creating creating that growth that capital growth which we that particular area on that particular area might not have generally have have had definitely definitely and if you take it further a step away or further step ahead, it doesn't matter which market are you talking about, what macro environments are. Uh, you would be successful in doing it even in a downturning market, even when the interest rates are high, low, even during GFC, right? Global financial crisis. A lot of people made a lot of money even mm. during that time um, while the market was dropping. And I, I always say, that you make the best money in the dropping market. And I made my best money in the dropping market, not in the rising market. So, yeah. And so in, in saying that, and so that, does that mean that when you're trying to find for properties that may be suitable for renovation or development, that in terms of location and and all the things that we spoke about in terms of, you know, the, the data points in terms of growth and all of that, they're not as relevant or they are just as relevant, but some things not, not so much. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. Look, I would say that, you know, the suburb selection is still important. It's not that, you know, you're going to drop the ball on suburb selection um, because when you are doing developments, a better suburb selection provides a natural buffer to developments. And so when you're doing the feasibilities, if you pick the right suburb in the right location, that suburb is going to provide a natural buffer to your development profits because there would be growth profits together coming into your development profits. And we'll talk about this further down as to you know why people get confused when they buy a property in a growth suburb and they're doing a development there and there is immense amount of growth that comes through and they're like, oh, if I should have held this property for X amount of time, I would have made the same amount of money. And yeah, and so 100%, you can't just discount the thinking around, oh, you're not going to select the suburb, right? The suburb selection still matters a lot, but that's not the only factor when it comes to development. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So for, for someone looking to transition, what are the, 
what are the key things that you think that are the steps towards determining whether it's the right step for you? Because, you know, we're going to be discussing whether it is the right step, like is transitioning or adding to your portfolio development or renovation the right step? What are the first things that we need to be considering? And so if you think about the people who would be pro-transitions, are people who are income earners or what I call it PAYG income earners who wants to create a business for themselves, who wants to create a business for their retirement, who wants to create a secondary business on the side. Uh, you would also be looking at people who do not have access to infinite amount of wealth when it comes to business, right? You can add more people and grow your business through the top line. And so these people, in order for them to improve their serviceability, this would naturally be the path to kill that dependence on the serviceability from their own personal income. You are also looking at people who are trying to diversify into other businesses. And so they have their own business, but their business is not doing awesome. It's not you know, hitting goals. It's not a multi-million dollar business. And so they're looking for another opportunity or a side business that can take you know, almost like a prime position in their already diversified portfolio of businesses that they are running. It's, it's very important when people think about their retirement plans. Um, for a lot of people, retirement does not necessarily mean that you do nothing. Retirement means that you still have to keep yourself occupied. And so for PAYG income earner, it's important that they do something. And so naturally, the property is the easiest fallback where they think that, oh, if I can keep doing these small-scale developments on the side while I'm re- living my retired life, be it 50, 55, 60, that would be an easy, you know, chunky mm-hmm. money for yes. myself and, and on the it's side. Also- is it it's I like the point around being able to supplement your own income because it's not it's something to us you know you can manage the the quantity and the number of projects you're you're doing in terms of adding that extra income and so it's something where you can still be working your full-time job and actually you probably still want to because it helps with your serviceability of being able to potentially purchase something based on your your serviceability and then do a renovation or development. And then you've got this extra level of, if you're holding the property, an extra level of income. So that's that's bolstering your serviceability over and over again. So, you know, the the point we're making here is that being able to to add this level of, of development or renovation to your portfolio actually helps you get closer to your financial goals definitely however i guess there's a there's the part having the knowledge the knowledge the time and the expertise to actually execute that as well yeah and so if you look at a lot of tradies you talk about electrician plumbers carpenters they are natural it's just so much synergies within their businesses especially if they're running a business that it just makes a lot more sense for them to basically put their hand up and say, okay, you're going to go down the route of doing a development. The PAYD income owners, when you think about it, it's the real risk is them. And so they need to really think about, okay, I'm going to adopt an extra risk or higher risk. And so how do I manage that risk while I have my PAYD income coming on the side uh, that I don't overextend myself, I don't get into things that I can't get out of, I don't have hands-on experience to, you know, uh, to do some of these things. And so 
it's important to understand that, you know, while you're increasing your risk for amazing returns, that amazing returns could disappear pretty quickly if you're not managing the risk quite openly. And so, you know, and so that's a good segue in talking about the benefits of the transition, right? And so what do you think would be ultimately the benefits that we can talk about in people actually taking this transition? Well, it's, I, I see it's really, if you're someone that's wanting to achieve your goals a lot quicker, this is one way to be able to do that through property that you're, again, we, we mentioned it before, like not having to wait for the property to, to necessarily increase uh, by itself, that we're manufacturing it. And, and I like to use the word at wholesale. Because if you're yes. doing the renovation or you're doing development, you're basically producing the property at wholesale price. You're not purchasing a property where you're, whether you're increasing your equity in some way or form, you can access that again. So I think that's the benefit in transitioning. Going, it's speeding up that process of getting to where you want to be. Definitely. Um, a lot quicker. Definitely. You can also, you know, when you look, look at the, the cash on cash return. So the cash on cash return means that say if you've put $50,000 into a deposit and you've got either income or equity um, that's that's been returned from that property, like is that a 15, 20, 100% return on, return on investment? For a lot of buy and hold properties, that might be the case. Whereas if you're doing a development, that could take it up to 50, 100, $200, you know, 200% right. cash on cash return. So I think it would be really good to run through a bit of an example of that because that might, that might be a little bit sort of, what, yeah. what is she talking about? So I know you've got a bit of a, an example. Yeah, no, definitely. And explain that a bit better. I think a lot of people, when they talk about these transitions, they naturally think that you're not doing buy and hold and you're just doing developments, right? And so you and me both know that even developers do buy and hold. And so the idea is to how to do it in such a way that, you know, you're catching the best of both worlds, right? And so if you look at numbers and it's, it's you know, I'm a numbers guy and I always like quoting numbers and putting numbers against a lot of these things to see as to what does that really mean. Um, let's make some high level assumptions. Let's, you know, try to understand with an example. And so we'll use normal uh, Australian average assumptions across the board. And so 6% growth year on year on an average property that we are talking about. Of course, it's not in a straight line. You know, you might get 20%, 30% in one year. But for the sake of this numbers exercise, what we are assuming is, let's assume that there are four properties, a person, there are two people, person A, person B, one person has four properties, each worth, say, $500,000 total portfolio value at, say, $2 million, portfolio growing at 6%. And uh, in 10 years' time, that portfolio would naturally be worth at about $3.6 million, okay? Considering the compound growth, et cetera, all of that. Now, if you're assuming that you acquired that portfolio at, say, 20% of, say, $400,000, you look at the acquired equity growth, you're talking about 1.58 million, which is about roughly 30% cash and cash return, which is really good. Okay. Now the assuming the assumption here is that all the properties that are performing the way that they are supposed to perform. And we both know that not every property performs. And so if you, you know, find like 20 student investors and ask them, hey, out of the five properties that you have, 
is every property giving you what you want? And they'd be like, oh, no, three is doing this, two is doing, uh, you know, so you would hear that. But for the sake of this comparison, let's assume that all of the properties are right suburbs, right selection. They're doing awesome. And so you are sitting on an acquired equity of about $1.5 million. Now, assume person B. And so person B, who is transitioning into property development. And so they have four properties worth $500,000. And they have, they have four properties, uh, say they have three properties worth, uh, say, $500,000. And, you know, they are going to acquire a, third, a fourth property, which is going to be a development property that they are going to, you know, deliver developments on. And so... On average, that fourth property, for the sake of this assumption, we are going to assume an absolute number. And we are saying that that, you know, every two years, they get that chunky profit of $250,000 for every development deal that they are going to do. Now, in the bigger scheme of things, we know that $250,000 is an average return on a very mediocre deal when you talk about development. Okay. You can go as high as millions. Okay. And so, you're talking about a very mediocre deal that is going to generate them $250,000 okay, every second year. Now, again, the first three properties at 6% yield, um, you would generate, you know, about one point, again, 10 years have passed. Three properties have generated about $1.186 million, which is, again, 30% cash on cash growth, similar to, you know, person A. But the balance of the portfolio, this is where it becomes interesting. So the balance of the portfolio over the 10 years have generated close to about $1.25 million, which is almost like 80% cash and cash return. Now, if you look at the total portfolio return for this scenario, that comes to about $2.4 million. And so they have generated close to about $800,000 in access equity just by leveraging debt better. That's how I look at it. All they're doing is they're leveraging debt better. And if you assume a compounding nature of the return on developments that a person makes, and so instead of them doing every second year a $250,000 deal where they're making $250,000 profit, if you're assuming a compounding nature of even say, you know, four or 5% on it, that number of 1.25 can blow up to 1.7 million quite quickly. And which means that during the same amount of time, the 10 years pass between the two people, what you are looking at is that the net wealth is almost doubled uh, between the buy and hold scenario and you know buy hold and develop scenario, and so the other person is almost sitting on about two point nine million worth of net wealth versus one point six million of net wealth that we were talking about in scenario one. Now, of course, in both scenarios, we are, what we are making is a bold assumption, right? That everything happens ankidori, nothing goes wrong, and everything happens clockwork, right? So that's a very very bold assumption. Be it for buy and hold strategies or buy and develop strategies right yeah and that's and that's the thing you know we've got to be able to go well typically if it's a development or whichever you might your interest rates might be um a little bit more more expensive they you might get delays in time so you know this is really just a a high level and very simplified version of being able to show like how you can able to to leverage that that extra equity um, again, it's it's making sure that you understand the numbers. It's you know, we we always want to make sure that you've done the numbers and the feasibilities, and your feasibilities are conservative, um, to be able to then see what your cash on cash return is as well. Definitely, hundred percent. And so, I think naturally, you know, people talk about, or I've seen people arguing about, and I was one of those people actually. You know, where you buy a property. 
And once you've done the development, you think about, hey, if I would have sold the property as is, I would have potentially made the same amount of money rather than doing the full development, right? And so how do you answer to those people, Cheryl? Without all this, all the stress and all the additional, additional costs. You know, I, I'm not here to ever, ever convince people. And it's, it's all around, first of all, making sure that they've got a certain level of risk. You know, they've, they've got a certain level of risk appetite. What risk appetite do they have? And then secondly, they've got this level of commitment to the process that Yes, there is going to be an extra level of risk. Value. You know, if they're able to show you that potentially you can do this, it is going to be around whether it's something that they really want to. And, and quite, you know, there might be people who are just like, you know what, um, maybe potentially I can because development, we know there is a certain level of, of risk and nothing is guaranteed. Whereas there are some people who are low, you know, have a lower risk appetite and maybe just like, I'm happy to just hold it. It's okay. I might have, you know, I might have a big backyard which can be developed, but, you know, it's fine. If you're able to show them and guide them through and be able to say, hey, we can do this and this is how we manage the risk and so on and so forth and we can get you this outcome. Mm. If they're willing to be part of that, then that's excellent. That's part of their journey. And then you can, you know, um, uh, that's that's something that they're open to, but I'm also conscious there are many many people out there that just sort of go, it's fine. I don't need to. I don't need to deal with the stress because there are there are things about development that are stressful. There are things about development 100%. that you do need a, a bit of time to you know invest the time in. And for you know for a lot of people, they're happy if if they're happy with the status quo and. You know, not not judging, but then they're happy with the status quo. That's fine. Yeah. But if they're un, uncomfortable and and want to push the status quo and create something else, then just with anything, anything, you there is a level of risk, but you can manage that, and that that might end up being a much better outcome than you initially thought. So, Definitely. yeah, I think it's my long-winded way of saying, you know, <laughs> setting out this is Definitely. what is possible. Yeah. But it does come down to what, you know, is this part of your path or not? Yeah. And naturally, when you think about people, especially when they are persistently thinking about going into development, they think that every site that has a development potential needs to be developed, right? And so I was talking to a client like recently yeah. Yeah. or person recently, not a client, a person recently, and they've gone ahead and developed something where they would potentially not make a lot of money, right? And so it's important for people to understand that just because the site can be developed does not mean that it should be developed because there might not be any money in it. And so it's mm. important to, you know, understand the risks, understand, you know, what a development profit is and a growth profit is, and, you know, holding yourself accountable to the feasibilities that you're going to do and understanding why are you making this choice in the first place? Why are you going down the route of doing a development? You know, you don't want an extra stress and extra headache of yeah. managing a build, you know, uh, organizing finances only to make a lousy $100,000, right? You want to make big money for you to oh, take big risks. Yeah, or, or, or negative returns, right? You know, I've seen people, you know, making negative returns in some instances too. And so it's very, very important to understand that 
you are in it to make money. And so if you're taking that sort of risk, then you're not doing it for nothing. Yeah. Yeah. And I see this a lot with um, people who sort of take on their first development and, and it's a duplex, duplex built, for example. So they may have in their mind, I bought this property with uh, an old house and a piece of land for a million dollars, but I could, I could sell each of these for a million dollars when they're completed. And they do really high level numbers. They're like, okay, it's a million dollars here, a million dollars there. That's two million dollars. Land cost me a million dollars. I think the bill's going to be about, about six, seven hundred thousand. And that's it. But so they, they haven't dived into the other parts of what it costs to do that, but the holding costs, the contributions, the, the DA and the CC costs and everything else. So those costs very easily escalate. And that's not including the landscaping and everything else. So what Definitely. we're saying here is that, yes, you know, you may be excited about doing a development of some sort. It's it's really understanding, not forgetting that the numbers, the numbers need to stack up and don't do a development just for the sake of doing it and because you want to sort of do something different. You've got to make sure that you're preserving, you know, preservation of your wealth is is a huge part of this. We want to grow the wealth but we want to also preserve preserve the wealth as well definitely definitely and when you think about it um education is an important thing you know so that's what you that's what i'm hearing that you know learn to do it or do it with someone who has done it numerous number of times before so that you are not setting yourself up for failure and that's the key thing you know right don't just assume that, oh, just because this person is doing, you can do it as well. If development was that easy, everyone w- would be doing it, right? And there is only a handful of developers uh, that you can count do, who are doing amazing work is because, you know, it's, it's not easy. It is a, a, a business of complex transactions. It's, it is a business of, you know, managing a lot of complexities. Yeah. And, and the point to also note is that development is not just around knocking down and building something new all the time. You know, development's also renovating. It's improving your space. It's it's problem solving. It's going, how can I extract either more income or equity out of a particular property? And income may be like, you know, Definitely. what if I were to, back in the days, build a granny flat, rent it out, or section off a particular part of the house get some extra income from that you know so it don't feel that you need to take the whole the whole plunge of going out and knock down and then build 20 stories of units or whichever that's not that's not necessarily the case it is around problem solving and definitely squeezing and leveraging as much as you can out of either your current portfolio or the properties that you that you want to build as well definitely and when you talk about transition you are talking about small steps right you are talking about little steps to take you where you want to get to. You're not talking about, you know, taking huge leaps or exactly what you're saying, you know, building 20 stories. It's, it's about consistent small steps that is going to basically help you grow your portfolio. It's going to help you, you know, become that business owner that you want to become, right? It's about protecting your wealth. It's about passing on that wealth to your kids. It's about passing on that business um, as a, as a family business to your kids. Right. And I hear my kids, you know, when I take them to auctions every time and they're like, Hey dad, you know, this is so much fun. You know, I think I would mm-hmm. want to do this, um, as a business. Right. And so 
awesome. Yeah, it's it's a, it's about you know for me or if I think about some of these things. So I was going to say, Moss, is that because they think every time they put up their hands, they win a they win a house. It's that easy. <laughs> it's like it's, the, it's interesting ETM, that you know ETM when you're teaching them. No, hundred percent, hundred percent. And so when you think about uh, some of these things, and you think about transition, uh, you're also thinking about the risks to transition, and you know you're also thinking about. Uh, who's taking the transition? Who's not taking the transition? And we'll talk. We'll be talking about who are the people where transition does not make sense, and so what are the risks to the transition? And so why would people not take that transition? And uh, and who are the people who resist transition? Right. And so we'll be talking. We'll be talking about some of these things as well. I think that would be the key. Uh, but it's important to get a better understanding about how to take this transition. A, a lot of people ask me this question, Moss. I want to become a developer and uh, how do I go about becoming one or how do I go about, you know, changing my profile from being a builder to a developer, right? Yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting ask, right? Because you see a lot of people dropping everything to become a builder or dropping everything to become a developer. And I, I say that it's not it's not a clean transition. It's not like, you know, you go cold turkey and you just buy one property and put everything, all eggs in one basket. You know, as you were mentioning, it's a slow transitioning process where you're thinking about, you know, doing renovations, you know, saving a house at the front, building one at the back, like a battle axe. You know, it's, it's a slow, gradual process that would take you there. Of course, there is structures that you can play with as well. Interesting conversation. So we have talked about the risks. We have talked about you know, why should you take the transi- transition? Why, what are the benefits of taking the transition? Who are the people who would take the transition? What we would discuss in the next episode would be how to successfully take a transition. What are the stages that you would take in taking that transition if you are keen to increase your risk appetite to do it? Uh, what are the key mistakes that people make in taking these transitions? Um, we would also talk about people who would never want to take these transitions and why would they never want to take these transitions? And then there are people who would, who should be taking transitions, but they resist to these transitions. And so we would be talking about a bit of that as well in relation to understanding. But that was a great episode. Thank you very much, Cheryl. Any parting comments, Cheryl, before we close this episode? Now it's, I think there's, there's a lot to, di- to digest here and it's just to be able to, to tweak our audience's probably interest in terms of if you are thinking about going, I'm going to start developing in some way. These are some of the things for them to, to, chew, to chew on and I know we'll be, be diving a little bit more into this in the next episode as well. So stay tuned. Thank you very much, everyone. Keep smiling. Be kind, keep investing. This is Moss and Cheryl checking out. Adios. Ciao, ciao.